Hey guys, it's Benji K, and I'm back for episode two of the Big App Podcast. I want to spend a few minutes talking to the numerous people who have reached out about the episode one. Thank you so much for listening, following, sharing. It's been really, really kind of you, and I'm really excited about where this is going. We at AF Memphis want to promote the advertising industry here in Memphis and abroad, and we're super excited to share you these stories. Speaking of stories, this week I have Andrew Hockrattle on. Andrew's a freelancer, business owner, creativity guru, and all around the most energetic, awesome dude ever. I got to listen to him speak at the September luncheon for AAF Memphis. And then directly after that, he joined me for a little conversation. Got a little slices of what, how, and why he does what he does. Also some fun little movie recommendations, uh, some chip recommendations, and just some all-around good life advice. So without further ado, Andrew Hockrattle. Andrew, thank you for joining me. How's it going? Hi, so good. Yes, I w- well, I just got off watching you uh, luncheon with AAF Memphis, and ho- round of applause, my man. Round of oh, thank applause. You. Thank like, you. Uh, the energy you brought is unreal. So if you were happened to be at that luncheon, you know what I'm talking about. If you missed it, you need to come to the next one because I learned a ton. I have notes here. My iPad is covered with notes and um but we're going to use this time to get get to know you a little bit better and then also maybe dig into some of these stories that you got to gloss over in your talk um so i appreciate the time i appreciate the time yeah let, let's chat let's get into it i'm okay. ready yes Ooh. so andrew okay number one thing that uh jumped off the page is you have seven years of teaching experience like what kind of teaching do you do I think a lot more than now that was, that's like the standard bio that I send to people and they were reading it. And I was like, I've been doing this for a lot longer. Um, so I, I graduated, uh, college in 2011 and started teaching at collegiate level the next semester. Um, and so, I mean, I guess I'm like pushing 10 years of education now. Um, but I taught design history for a long time. And then I taught uh, photography history for a long time. Um, I taught a professional business presentation class that was a business class and we were supposed to learn PowerPoint, but they had me teach illustrator. And it was the, it was the, dude, it was the worst class in the history of classes. Like it was, it was four and a half hours on a Monday night. Uh, Like my students would raise their hands and be like, how do you right click? And I was like, we're not learning anything this semester. It's, it's over. Um, (laughs) So I've been doing that a lot. And then I've been doing um, a lot of live streaming and educational content with Adobe, um, which has kind of been the shift from doing collegiate level in-person classes to doing more online kind of teaching the world, which I love. Um, and it's it's really cool to you know teach something in Illustrator as a challenge and then wake up the next morning and somebody in like Serbia is like, I made this poster based on your challenge. And I'm like, what? Like, what the heck? Somebody's like watching this video and doing something about it. Oh, I killed it. I did the ding on the podcast. My phone was on. Oh man. Rookie mistake. I'm not even going to edit that out. Like don't leave it. There's there's hardly any editing that goes on here. We we embrace mistakes. We, we embrace mistakes and we grow on because I don't want to work. Honestly, let's be real. Um, (laughs) Yes. Okay. So your classrooms went from college classrooms to the world. 
Yes. That's what you're telling me. Absolutely. And it's, it's a weird shift, but it's also really fun. Uh, And I think a lot of people, especially during COVID, like talking to a camera, gets exhausting, but I think being able to see and hear stories of like people existing, my brain has just gotten into the zone when I'm giving a talk or a presentation and I'm looking at my camera, like my brain only sees, you know, like Katarina and Will Blanco and like the people that I, that, you know, I interact with or see on social media, like they are behind the camera. And so it's so much easier to talk if I'm just imagining that like those people are there. Um, and so it's become that just like everyone is my student and the world is my class and let's all just freaking learn together and make cool stuff. Like, why not? How did you get connected with like a great program, like Adobe, which is like the synonymous in worlds of creatives, right? Like they hear yes. Adobe and it, immediately I'm like, oh, Adobe, like the Adobe. And so what, what benefits does that give you to have something like that behind you? So I got involved with Adobe and like, I, I think I tell this story. I think I told this story before and like, I'll probably get eventually in trouble for it, but whatever. (laughs) Um, I, I had, uh, gotten connected with them because I had been hosting some conferences uh, and they're like, Hey, you should come up, do a live stream. It'll be super fun. Great. And so I went up to San Francisco, did a live stream. And I was like, okay, that, that was really cool. Um, and then started to want to do more of that. As I went full-time freelance out on my own, started my own business. I was like, I really like being on camera. Let's see if I can do more than that. Um, and I've been talking to my friends, Amy and Jen Hood, uh, who run Hoodspa Design and their advice is always like, put yourself in rooms you don't belong in. And I was like, that's great advice. Let's, let's just go for it. Jump in and see what happens. Um, and so I, um, I gained access somehow to an Adobe after party for Adobe Max. Uh, and I had attended this event, uh, in a certain way. Uh, and I knew that like the live team was there who did a lot of the live content. Uh, and I had friends that were like, oh yeah, they're over there. You know, we gotta do some content with them. You should go introduce yourself. And I'm like, great, let's do it. Um, and so went over, talked to them, got introduced. And it was that mix of like, oh, I actually want to be friends with you and get to know you. But I also know that like my personality and perspective is something that is almost a product. And this is my pitch, right? I'm not taking you into a pitch meeting. The interaction we're about to have is the pitch for you to buy in on my personality, to understand me more. And so going into that initial conversation, it was like, cool. I hate the idea of like social climbing, but I know a ladder when I see one and I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that like we're climbing that. And so it was that initial conversation. We kind of talked, we're like, let's do a live stream and the energy super fun. We can have some great stuff. Here's some ideas that I've had. Uh, and then did a couple live streams and then it kind of is just built and built from there. Um, and I go in with that, that mentality of, you know, if you're going to do it, actually like do it, like really do it. And so every time I do a live stream, I'm like, what's, how can we make this different? How can we make this better? How can we better serve the audience? Um, and putting in that effort has just turned into a ton of live streaming and it's kind of become my job and I love it. That's amazing. That's, it reminds me of, so whenever I joined the agency that I work for now, and I can tell this story because I don't think that they'll kick me out either, but I, (laughs) I joined on for a pitch and I did research for a pitch. I had no backgrounds in agencies. They were just giving me a shot. I had a contract for one month, one month. The last day of that month, I was like, kind of like, should I pack up my stuff now and go? But I decided just to stay. So I showed up every single day for like a week and just like 
didn't put time in or anything, but just like played on the computer and like sat at my desk. And then a week later, somebody walked by and they're like, Hey, what are you working on? I go, nothing. And they go, come on. And then like, put me on another project. So it's like the same fake it till you make it read the room, see an opportunity yes. and grasp it. I love that story. And I yep. love that mentality. I always tell students, if, if you're pitching something, uh, like you really have to care about it and sell me on it. And even if it's like crap or like not good, like you need to convince me immediately. It's the best thing that's ever happened. And so I always tell them, I'm like, pitch it like you stole it, like pitch it. Like you just went on Fiverr, you copied and pasted and you're trying to sell me it for $10,000. That's the way that you need to pitch this. And that goes for, you know, whatever the product is, if it's, you know, personality, if it's public speaking, if it's actual design, like you have to pitch it, like you stole it. Uh, because if you're not convinced it's great, then no one else will be either. I love that. Well, and also another thing that you put in your classic bio that you give everyone and it's on your website, I'm going to ask about is your theater background. So like you love to perform. I can just tell you love to entertain. You love to perform. I do. You love being in front of the camera. Like it shines. Where, do, where does that come from? Did you do theater? Did you do movies? Did you do something? Or was it just like a passion? Yeah. So I, I was a theater kid growing up. Um, I think that I, I always loved the idea of world building and kind of being able to escape into something. I was like the weird kid in high school that like everyone made fun of, like didn't really fit in anywhere. And so the ideas of like theater and movies were really awesome to me because I could kind of escape and like live in a different world or like create a different reality um, or, you know, play this character who wasn't me that I'm like, oh, this character has very set boundaries and personality and I understand them and I can kind of escape into them for a little while. And so I loved that. Um, and then that kind of spiraled in through college. I went in as a theater major um, and spent about a year being a theater major. And then I was like, I don't know if this is like an actual viable career to be like, I'm going to Broadway from like my tiny little school. I'm like, that's not, it's not a thing. Uh, so then my next logical jump was, Ooh, I'll be an English major so I can be a poet. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? Um, and I, I think that I was just chasing that idea of, uh, kind of creating and building worlds. And then I think that I had a realization that theater and, you know, poetry or whatever was almost like I was existing in someone else's world. And when I got into design, I loved the idea that I could build my own worlds. I could create from scratch. I could ask people to kind of pause on their reality and then step into mine. And that's when I really fell in love with design and creativity. Um, and then I think, as things have evolved, the theater background has come back. Um, I've been able to do more stuff. Again, I love doing personality driven stuff. And so I've got to do a couple game shows because I live in Southern California. And so I did Price is Right. Um, I did a game show called 25 Words or Less. Uh, I was just on Let's Make a Deal uh, yesterday, uh, which was super fun. I know, right? Breaking and news. so it's, yeah, breaking news, hot take, uh, season 13, episode five. Uh, and so I've gotten to do a lot, a little bit of that. And it really is just that constant kind of uh, drive for me to create realities and exist in different realities and just experience as much as I can. Because uh, I do think that like the Andrew that people see on camera, if I'm like teaching or something, like it is a character of me. Um, 
And I think that like, you have to do that. And that's just how it is. But I love that character because in my brain, like, oh man, that Andrew's super fun. Like he is passionate about education. He knows what he's talking about. And then the Andrew, like 10 minutes before is like scribbling notes on post-it notes. And I'm like, what am I going to talk about? And so I love playing that character uh, pretty much every day now, which is just so fun. (laughs) I love what you just said there about um, like the two, like you have to kind of be that way to put up front. I think people say that about me. They're like, oh, you look so fun. And and like, what? I'm an introvert in a lot of ways. Like I need to come home and whatever. And so I don't like going out in public, even though people will be like, you know, everyone, you're active, you're all around town. It's like, honestly, that is, that is the energy that I want to put out into the world. But it's like, at times it is a performance, but you seem so comfortable. You seem so comfortable being you. And I think that there's a lot of times us as creatives and us as people who, um, maybe don't have that, um, natural leaping ability to go create a world or whatever, find the struggle to actually put that out into the world. And you said it before, you just go do it and you go do it big. Talk a little bit about that. You talked about it in your talk today was you just leapt. And when you do big things, I loved how you said it about any presentation you do, you just go all in. What is an example of that? So, uh, Back at the beginning of COVID, uh, all the conferences were getting canceled. So I'm uh, on the board for uh, a conference called Creative South that happens in uh, Columbus, Georgia every year. And we had been planning and they made the call to cancel it and postpone once COVID started picking up. Um, And then all these other conferences, I was supposed to host Circles Conference and that got canceled. And earlier in the year, I had launched a personal project uh, that was like a fake political campaign to try to influence conferences to let me host. And so I was like, elect Andrew as America's MC and like, let me host every design conference in the United States. And I, it was this big, I made a website and everything. Um, and then they all got canceled. And I was like, man, I put a lot of energy into this campaign to try to host conferences and, you know, get things going and really invest in creative community and everything just is gone now. Um, and so I had the idea with a friend of like, could we do an online event? I've done enough online live streaming that I think we could do this and pull it off in two or three weeks. Um, and so we started emailing people and it was one of those things that I'm like, cool, it's just going to be a little thing. And then as it grew, I'm like, okay, maybe it's going to be a bigger thing. Okay. It's a huge thing. And it's, you know, a three-day event and we have 60 some speakers and it's, you know, nine hours each day. And as it kept growing, there was always this moment of like, we should stop. Like we should, we should stop and scale back and just be realistic about what we can do. And then there also was the side of me that is the, you have to go for it if you're going to go for it. And I'm like, yes, yes to everything. I will stay up for 10 hours. I will be on camera for 10 hours. Like I, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. Uh, the creative community has invested so much in me that this is, I think, a cash in and me reinvesting the, the time that they've put into me and my relationships and giving it back to them. And so I was like, I have all the funds they've been given to me over the last few years. Let's cash all that out and do a three-day live stream called canceled con. Um, and so we launched canceled con and it was, it, it was insane. Uh, what happened? It, I mean, we had 50,000 viewers. We trended in the United States, uh, I had messages and pictures of people having breakfast, watching cancel con and uh, kind of just going into their everyday lives. And it was something that, that was like the full send of like, if we're going to do this, we have to do it big. 
and it paid off. And it was like, oh my gosh, it actually happened and affected people. And so we did a second one um, where we went bigger. We did a big opening number. Um, uh, I wrote and recorded it in my garage. Someone scored it for us. Uh, and then, yeah, it just blew up into this huge thing. And it was that like, as hard as I sent it, I never thought that it would like be as big as it was. And then it was, and I was like, shoot, all right, well, we're going to have to send it every single time we do something now, because that's the standard. (laughs) Yes. Creating a standard. That's another, like, I think sometimes whenever I get into a creative venture, that's where my brain goes. It's like, if this, if I pull this off, like now the scale is one step bigger, like, and so I go big. And so I love that you say, if you're going to do it, do it. And you've said that over your talk. You've said it a few times here. And that's where I, I, my mind is like, I'm like, ah, I got to remind myself that in every day, like, I mean, even getting out of bed some days, I'm like, all right, I got to get up and do it. Right. Like just go. So I think it's a, yeah. And really, I think that, uh, I think that there's a like application of that to so many different things. Uh, but somebody once told me, they're like, if you're going to stress about something, then stress efficiently. And I was like, that's totally like, if you're going to do it, do it. And it's, it's just been the greatest. And this is not like creativity or design, but just like life advice. Like it's such an interesting idea to be like, oh, if I'm going to like be super stressed right now, I'm going to do it like very intentionally and very efficiently. And then I won't be stressed. Uh, so that's, that's the take home nugget for y'all. <laughs> Exactly. Well, I'm glad I'm glad like this doesn't have to all be design and we can we can get into life a little bit. Speaking of life. So you said something in your talk that said uh, creativity changes things or changes how they are. Um, And in a world that is kind of pulled thin in a lot of ways, we have COVID, we have social um, feedbacks, we have tensions everywhere. Um, I really kind of drew into this idea that creativity can change things. Talk about that motto that you kind of said and what uh, spawned from that as well. Yeah, I think, I think the idea of creativity changing things is like the uniqueness of perspectives. I think, uh, there was a movement, uh, So like, let's take Picasso, for example. So Picasso, we see a lot of Picasso's work, right? And if you think of Picasso, you think in your brain of like the cubism and all the different uh, like weird shapes and stuff. Uh, But a lot of what he was actually creating was presenting the same subject in different times from different perspectives. And so it created something that was really interesting. You're like, oh, it's all these weird shapes, but it's like, oh no, they're, they're the same shape just from different perspectives all at the same time. And I think that that is that is the beauty of change is it may not be a challenge to like, Oh, creativity can challenge me to think differently or is trying to like convert me to some, whatever it's like, Oh, it's, it's something else for me to experience and to have a flavor of, right. That it's a new combination of ingredients in a sandwich that I've never tasted before. And I'm like, how can a sandwich taste like this? Um, that I think is the magic of how creativity can change things is it's not pushing to change. It is offering a perspective and like welcoming change both in yourself and from other people based on that perspective. Mm, I love that. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so you also talked about my favorite, um, historical figure of all time. Um, Abraham Lincoln in your talk. Oh, a Lincoln fan. I'm a huge Lincoln fan um, for a lot of different reasons, but um, whenever I perked up and you told a story about basically his creative 
director of his campaign yes. and his life, Matthew Barry or Brady, sorry. You can totally tell that story here because I think oh. that the masses need to hear about it because my mind was blown and I was like Googling. I was like, I have like six like tabs up uh, about him and to read his story. Yep. Yeah. That's the fun thing about teaching like design history and photography history is you get so many good stories. You're like, what? Like, how is this all connected? Um, so if you're familiar listener with, uh, modern day, let's relate it there and then go back. So Matthew Brady was the equivalent of like, if you know who law Roach is, uh, he's like this like fashion guy and he's like an image architect, I think is what he calls himself. Um, but Matthew Brady was basically that to Abraham Lincoln. He was, uh, the person in charge of his persona, how he was presented, Uh, And Matthew Brady was a photographer who opened one of the first photography studios of the time where you would go, there would be props. uh, He would know how to pose all that kind of stuff. And so he got connected with Abraham Lincoln and Abraham Lincoln was like a weird looking gangly fella. Uh, People, when they like heard that he was trying to get involved in stuff or like that Abraham Lincoln, like the one that's like, "Uh like, we don't know about him. And so he started working with Matthew Brady and Matthew Brady understood how to make someone look a certain way. And so in the photography studio, if you ever look at photography of Abraham Lincoln by Matthew Brady, there are certain things that Matthew Brady coached Abraham Lincoln to do. So they didn't want him to look gangly and, you know, as like tall and like skinny as he was. And so almost every photo that you see Matthew Brady has took of taken of Abraham Lincoln, his fingers are never out. They're always curled on a desk or they're hanging in like a kind of clenched fist at a side. They're hidden behind a book. There's a globe. Um, they'll almost always cover his fingers so that they never look super long and gangly. Um, and then they would always pose him so that he either would like look tall and authoritative or that he would look a little more welcoming. Uh, and they would do that by changing the height of his collar. So if they had a higher collar, uh, then he would look more welcoming. If he had a lower collar, his neck would look longer and he would look like he was more authoritative. Um, and of course, the iconic image that is on our penny is based on a Matthew Brady photo. That's kind of that profile of Abraham Lincoln, a uh, strong jaw looking like the strong Abraham Lincoln that it is. And Matthew Brady was the one who coached him into that. And after it all went down and he was elected and everyone, you know, all the stuff happened, uh, Abraham Lincoln went back and said, I would not have been elected if it was not for Matthew Brady and his creative influence, like 0% chance. And like that changed the course of history. Like just some photographer knowing how to pose the subjects, like it's really, really important. And so how do you, how would you apply that to today? Because I mean, we're, we're living in the influencer culture and the online culture. I mean, there, there's so many aspects of that story that is relevant today, I think. Yeah. I think that today it's all about, it's all about communication. And I think uh, for me, I have a little bit of a different view on communication. So social media and all that stuff, I don't post a lot. Uh, I'm a big proponent of the idea of like, if you don't have something to say, then don't say it. Like wait to say something until you have something to say. Uh, and so I'm not usually posting a ton, uh, but I do think that social media is the place that you can construct and influence realities using visual communication. Like we very rarely talk to each other anymore. It's all about the visuals, right? The TikToks is, you know, a 30 second dance that the like weird person is doing the dance and they like smile at the camera and do like a little wink. And you're like, we didn't talk at all here. 
but somehow like I like I feel like a, like you're trying to make me feel a thing through this like visual medium. And so I think that that is a large thing that is used both for good and bad now, um, right? That it's, you know, the angles and the lighting and the backdrop and the filters are all just Matthew Brady, you know, saying, Hey, clench your fists so that you don't see your fingers. Like that's, that's really, it is what it is. And you never see, you know, you never see Abraham Lincoln on social media. It's like, Hey guys, so check out my hands. They're super long and crazy. You'd see like, Hey guys, so I'm on the beach and his hands like behind a little sand dune. Like it's all about curating that image of yourself. And I think that there's to an certain, a certain extent that is important. And that is something that is, valuable for an experience, but not for like authenticity. So there's people that watch my streams that I'm like, you're coming here for entertainment. You're coming here for fun. And I'm going to give you all of that. But the second the camera turns off, like I'm laying on my ground, listening to jazz and like eating a bag of chips. Like uh, that's not, that's what you come here for. And so it is that kind of self-curated Matthew Brady of when I'm on camera, I'm going to give you what you want and convey the person that you need to see And then off camera, it's not really important to me. And when I need to say something, I will do it on social media and you'll see, you know, curated communication. Um, But it very much is that understand how people understand you and give them the experience that they're looking for. So what kind of chips? Oh, uh, I'll give you some ASMR podcast people. Yeah. These are the, here, let's do, oh yeah. Little crinkles. These are the good and gather organic, uh, blue corn tortilla chips. Those are the chips mm. that I go to. They are just delicious and in, full of protein. Any condiments, like any dips or anything? No, like I have, I like, sometimes we'll mix together like rice and chicken and beans and like a little mini at home Chipotle. I do always have, this is just on my desk. I always have a bottle of smoked Tabasco. That's the best Smoked Tabasco. Chipotle Tabasco. Oh, it's the yeah. best. And yeah. so that literally is always on my desk for like whenever I get lunch or whatever. I'm like, does this go on this? Yes, is the answer. We need this I, on my desk. I might have stolen three or four of those from a Chipotle before. I kept stealing them and then I saw them in the supermarket and I was like, dang it. Now I like have to buy it. I didn't think it was something you could buy. Cause I was like, Ooh, it's Chipotle. And then I was like, Oh, they do make it. I have to buy it now. Same, same, exactly <laughs> the same. Um, bonding over Chipotle Tabasco sauce. There you go. That's it. Um, <laughs> well, um, I, I, I loved what you were talking about because it is such a, like I, I deleted social media a year ago, like, and I didn't do the pause or the mute, like the you can't say, I deleted it all because of that the negative side of it, but I loved what you were saying about the communications of how you communicate onto any medium. It could be a poster. It could be a sticker. It could be a live stream. It could be a social media post, but how you communicate tells a story to the viewer. Right. And, um, and the, and every aspect has a frame it. And I feel like you're, you do that incredibly well over the last week i've watched a lot of videos of you all creepily like and you just do a great way of communicating exactly what you want to communicate and so so it's like you say you have something to say and you're going to say it yeah and i think that it is uh so i went full-time freelance about two and a half years ago and started my own business and i went through a period where i had to weigh what my strengths are right like what is what is if i'm if i am my business what are the products that i'm selling right because I think a lot of freelancers are like, it's my work. Like I have to have a crazy portfolio and amazing work. 
And I think as I looked and saw what my strengths were, what I love to do, I was like, I don't think that my work's it. Like, I think like maybe 30% portfolio that I'm like, yeah, I can do work. Sure. Like it's good work. Okay. Like 30% that. And then I was like, I think that it's like 70% personality. And I think that like, as much as I'm just like, it's me and I love it. I'm like, that it's a product. It's a product that I've had to craft. And I'm like, can I leverage this personality as a product? And so, like you said, curating that experience. And, you know, when you have something to say, say it, that it feels like that curated social experience. Uh, yes, a lot of that is me, but it is very much that I'm like, oh, this is a product. Like, this is just like creating a font. I'm creating an experience and it's a curated experience to where I've got my post-it notes above my screen and I've got my jokes written out and I've got the lessons that I need to do. Um, and knowing that I have to be like on during that time. Uh, but it really is that like, Oh, that's a product and people are coming to consume that, to experience that, whatever. And, as that being a part of my business, I have to deliver it. And that could be that I'm having a really bad day and I'm super sad, but you're, you're buying into this product that you have an expectation and I'm going to have to sell it. Like I stole it, uh, and just put on the smile and then give you the curated experience that like has been promised. And I think that that is something that I think a lot of creatives, uh, either miss out on or don't really look into is what are the things that you can leverage that are your strengths that you can turn into products that you think are just things that exist. Like what can you really leverage in your creative career to build both your passions and your products kind of into the same thing? Wow. Uh, awesome. That's awesome stuff. I got nothing to say. You, you got me speechless. Um, <laughs> that's rare in my life. Um, I'll, I'll get you out here in a second. Cause you've been so kind with your time, giving us a, another hour of your time after already giving us this luncheon. Oh, I'm always uh, ready to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, something that, um, I struggle with, especially with like client-based stuff is like when I feel like I am not living up to the expectations of others and, or like my work or the, my bosses or whatever. And I'm not hitting that mark. What would you, and, and sometimes it's imposter syndrome. Sometimes it's just, I'm not feeling it. It's mental health. It's fogginess. It's, uh, I didn't have my coffee that day. It's a million things. Um, what is some advice when people get in their own way? Like I tend to do, I'm a class, a example of it. You would give that person. I always tell those people, and this is like the hardest advice to hear. And I have to tell myself it too. Like I have those feelings and then I'm like, oh, I'll never be good enough. That's, that's the takeaway is like, yes, that, right. That it's like, oh, I'm such a failure. And like, this isn't good enough. And you're like, oh, I'll never be good enough. Like that, that doesn't exist. Uh, and so I've learned to kind of shift that thought to a couple things is one, something my roommate told me that was just make yourself proud of yourself. And I'm like, great. The, like that is so easy to check off and so easy to weigh uh, and be like, oh, I'm actually not super proud of myself on this project. So maybe I need to put in more effort. Um, and so make yourself proud of yourself and then don't let yourself fail. And by that, I think when people hear that, they think, 
oh my gosh, I have to like put in more effort and try harder and just like stay up later nights. But that's not at all what I mean. Uh, there are two options to not letting yourself fail. You can put in more effort and rise to the occasion, which is great. That's the one that most people go to, but I'm like, you can't do that all the time. Uh, and then the other thing is you can maybe manage your expectations and redefine what success looks like, right? So if you're in that moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I'm such a failure. Like I'm going to fail on this project kind of reassess and be like, okay, I think I maybe set myself up for, uh, a little bit too much. So let's redefine what success looks like. And instead of having 30 comps of this logo, let's do a solid 15. And at 15, I think that we'll have enough to accomplish the purpose of this project. And I'm going to call that a success, uh, right? And then it's not that you have failed. You've just managed your expectations a little better. Um, and so, I mean, even if a, if a client comes back and they're like, no, we feel like this project has completely failed and missed the mark. If you can look at it and you can say, you know what? I'm proud of the work I did. Then it's not a failure. Um, so you'll never, ever be good enough because good enough is a very ethereal idea. Um, I had to start measuring my success by my happiness instead of by good enough. Because success was something I couldn't define. Uh, and then I realized like, oh, I can measure my happiness. Like, am I happy with this project? Am I happy with the clients and the conversations? Am I happy with the effort I put into this? If the answer is yes, then I'm good to go. Because uh, I can't define whether or not it was successful. Uh, that doesn't really exist. It just is an idea that people have. I, I tend to agree. So I love, I love that. Make yourself proud of yourself. Like, I love that. That's slap it on my head, tattoo it on my right? head. I love that. I right. Love that. Well, in backwards. So I can see it in the mirror, of course. Yep. <laughs> okay. So I'll get you out after these last two questions and they're um, both film fit based. I want to know your okay. ideas on, on a couple movies or a couple film ideas. Number one, five okay. movies that people have to go check out. Okay. Um, number one. So it's probably one of my favorite movies and I'll just kind of list them off and give you ideas. So number one, uh, Paddington two, it's the greatest movie that's ever been made period. Uh, it's just, it's, perf it's perfection. Paddington and Paddington two are the best movies I've ever made. Number two, this is going to be a hard, right? So prepare yourselves, everyone. Um, the Eli Roth remake of evil dead <laughs> that came out in like 2013. <laughs> so opposite. They're so opposite. And I like, don't know how to balance it in my brain, but that movie is so expert in storytelling and like conveying an emotion and just being like visceral. Uh, I remember I went to go see it in theaters and 13 people walked out before the opening credits came up. And I was like, that's how you do a movie is you sell it as a horror movie. And then you're like every single thing that you expect, I'm going to give it to you a million times. I remember the posters for that movie they shipped them with light bulbs that would flicker. So when they put the posters up in the theater, the poster would be flickering like it was going out or like it was possessed. And I was like, that's it. You give them the experience yeah. that they expect and then like go far beyond. So that's number two. Uh, number three, Nightmare Before Christmas, because I think that Nightmare Before Christmas was the movie for me that helped me understand that you can build a world where everything is wrong, but make it right right? Nothing in that movie makes sense. It's Christmas. It's Halloween. They're playing hockey with a severed head. But as I watched it, I was like, oh, Tim Burton has literally created a world and asked me to just like 
forget about my world and live in his for a second. And for me, that's what creativity is, is like, pause your experience. I'm going to create a world, step into it. I'll tell you what's right and wrong. I'll tell you what works and what doesn't and just take it in. Uh, so that's number three, number four, a movie called mother. Um, Darren Aronofsky is one of, yes. Mother is one of the that greatest movie. movies I've ever seen. Um, I think mother, um, tells storytelling in a way that I've never seen before. Um, and it is an absolute masterclass in redefining the context around familiar content to present it in a new way. Uh, so I won't give anything away, but it is, it is based on a very familiar story to a lot of people. And you don't realize that that's what's happening until about halfway through. And then you realize I've heard this before. I've seen this before, but I've never experienced it like this before. And so it's that re experiencing of something familiar that makes you see things in a different way. So mother's there. And then five, um, has to be a Gaspar Noe movie. So Gaspar Noe is one of my favorite directors. He's crazy. Like this guy's totally insane. His movies are like not okay. Like I can't even recommend them, but like, please go watch them. Um, a movie that he made called Climax and Climax, at, like to set the context, the movie finished. I drove 45 minutes to see it because it was only showing in one theater. I had to go see it because I love Gaspar. And it was me and one other person. The movie finishes and it's quiet. And this guy just goes, you okay, man? And I was like, no. <laughs> that uh, is a movie. That's a movie. Yes. Though. Yes. So I, and I think it's on, I think it's on Amazon if you all want to watch it, but don't watch it, but also watch it. Um, it's called Climax. And it's basically the premise is it is a dance troupe that is in the middle of nowhere and someone spikes LSD into the punch and then you watch what happens and he created this movie he went in with no script he hired a bunch of dancers who don't speak English worked through a translator and shot the movie start to finish in like three weeks um, and so it is this absolute fever dream of just experiencing something with people the last third of the movie is upside down in one color like the frame just doesn't it's just upside down for the rest of the movie so it's very much art film like experience but it feels like you're there and it's the first time that i've watched a movie to where the director was able to make me feel guilty for what was happening in the movie like i felt like i was a part of it and signing off on it and i was like that's your job as the director is to give me the experience and it was the most horrible experience but you did it so well that like i felt guilty about what was happening in the movie and so I, yeah it's fantastic I can't wait. I can't wait to watch this one. That's uh, that, I love asking that question. Okay. Last question. Um, and then we'll get you out of here. Let you go along to your probably next 24 streams that you're doing that right. you have once lined up or <laughs> chips or chips. Yes. Or chips. I have chips afterwards. Um, yes. What is one film that you thought was going to be good and turned out to be not that great? Hmm. Um, I think, I think, um, I have, I have two that come to mind that are kind of the same. One was a movie that came out a couple of years ago called fantasy Island. Um, and the premise that it was sold was that these people went to fantasy Island and then their deepest desires came true. Right. And it was kind of this play on that old story of the monkey's paw, uh, that this mom's kid died. Uh, she finds a monkey's paw. She makes a wish. And she's like, I wish I had my son back. But then the son comes back like as a zombie. And it's like this horrific experience. And you're like, oh, you have to be more specific about what your heart wants. 
And so it was a play on that. Um, but it was, it was, I was so optimistic about 45 minutes in and then every 10 minutes, it like got a full star worse until the end. (laughs) And I remember like, there'd be a twist that would happen. And I'd be like, okay, that's a weird take, but like, we'll go somewhere. And then it got worse. And I'm like, what is happening? And then it got worse. And I was like, oh no. And then it kept changing. I'm like, this is the worst movie I've like, it was so bad. And I want it to be so good. Um, so that was one. And then, um, fantasy Island. Oh man. What was the other one that I was literally just going to say? one one that caught me off guard was one that i think is on hbo max right now that just came out called malignant um and it's a horror movie and i won't spoil anything but it is the the most bizarre twist that i've ever seen in like a sci-fi horror movie and it went from being like uh i mean it's james wan who did saw and the conjuring you know all these big budget a level horror movies And it went from being like a level horror movie to like, okay, maybe this is like a a B movie sci-fi into like this D level cult classic and then back up to like a level enjoyment of a D level cult classic. So it, it was a wild ride of like, this is so dumb. Oh, it's so campy. I hate this. And then suddenly like, Okay, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. Like, yeah, yes. And so if you haven't, it's on HBO Max, go watch Malignant because it it about three-fourths of the way through just twists like you've never seen before. And you're like, this isn't going to work. And then they sell it so hard that it works so well. I love it. So now, now you have life advice, you have design advice, and now we have film advice. So we're just oh, like- absolutely packed with content right here just yes in this little little screen right here um andrew thank you so much for taking your time thank you for hanging out and chatting with me and with the listeners whoever they may be um where can people find you yeah where can people find Uh, you so people can find me on all social medias it is hawk.co but all spelled out no punctuation so h-o-c-h-d-o-t-c-o um, on all social media, or you can go to the actual website, hoch.co um, is the website and you can get links to all the things there. Awesome. Thank you so much again. And um, I hope to talk to you soon. Yes. Bye everybody.